Amen. Well, this morning I'm a bit gutted because um, I was going to preach with Ruth this sermon together. And uh, unfortunately, Ruth is not well, so um, she cannot be here. But I've, I've taken her idea, so I'm going to share them with you and say, I think this, and Ruth thinks this about these things. Um, but what is it? What is it that I think it's important as, as a message before, I think not only I go on sabbatical, but I think the church goes into this season of the uh, 12 weeks um, without um, the minister. But you've got lovely leadership, and I, I really, um, I'm so privileged to be surrounded by um, the elders and ministry leaders and people who who really are passionate about uh, Cairns Road here. So, um, and also we are in good hands because we are in God's hands. And this is, as much as it's a, a journey of trust and faith for me, I think it's a journey of trust and faith for you guys as well. And um, this, the last probably four or six months, um, I've been talking to different people, and um, especially about sabbatical and how, how it is that actually we live in a, in a society that is so fully engaged with activity, and there's so much going on. And Ruth and I have been talking about this week, and uh, on, on Thursday we kind of uh, finalized what we were talking about, and for both of us, God put into our hearts to be uh, sharing together from a, a very famous story, um, and we wanted to draw some thoughts from that. And it's a story of um, Mary and Martha, or the story of Martha and Mary. And it's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, you've got NIV Bibles. I think for a change, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation just to get a feel of it, but probably mainly working from the NIV when we um, work together. Now, this is, this is a story that is familiar. Jesus has been really uh, been traveling around. He has authorized his disciples to go and preach the gospel. You know, you've got Luke 9, Luke 10, the sending of the 72, and then Luke carries on to say, and actually after Jesus commissioned them to go, he himself with the disciples entered a city. So, Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village. Luke doesn't give the name here, but we know that this is Bethany. And we know that from another account in the Gospel of John, John 11, when uh, Lazarus is uh, resurrected. So, they enter a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him 
into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these duties and details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. So, we've got this passage. It's very, very, very familiar, and we, we are used to. And, and Ruth and I thought what would be very good to do is ask questions. We answer the questions in your presence, but also give you the space to answer the questions. What is happening is that Jesus is en route to Jerusalem. He is invited by a family to come and have dinner with them. It's not only Jesus, but it's all the disciples. And whoever is hosting is, gets into the host mode. It's this kind of synchronized cooking it's, 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 you know what things go first, you know, I've, I've not got the, ha- the, the handle of that yet, but it's, it's, you know, if, you, you're, if you're hosting a big group of people, you know at what time you need to put the vegetables in and what time you need to start roasting whatever meat, or if you're a vegetarian, you do something else. But, but it's, 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 it's this kind of idea that actually it's, it's happening it's got Jesus. This family has got Jesus and these other people that she needs to host. So, so Martha gets, gets on with it. And the, the interesting thing is that we see that Mary has got a different take on this event that has happened. It seems like Martha is distracted from the task and Jesus is there and Mary is distracted by Jesus being there. So, the first question that I have and Ruth has is, in our daily lives of discipleship, what are the things that distract us? Ruth would answer the constant lists of the things that needs to be done, the tension between home 
ministry, family. The tension between some mundane and some God-related. What distracts me? The sense that I need to be up to date with the latest info, news, so I can stay on top of things. What distracted Martha and what distracted Mary? What distracts you? And when Jesus is talking to Martha, he's not talking about the distraction, but he's talking also about worry. And by nature, as people, we worry. Probably you've come to church this morning with something that you've worried about. Maybe you've had a worry all week that you, you, you can't get rid of. Maybe you're looking at the week ahead of you and you think, oh, that is worry in itself. I look at the sabbatical and it's a worry. You look at the sabbatical and it's a worry. What are the things that worry you? Ruth would answer lots of things. Parenting, not living up to someone's expectation, doing the wrong thing and letting people down. What worries me? The fear of coming across lazy. More so the last two or three years, finances. Especially as I think of kids' educations and what have you. But it's, you know, I'm being very honest here. Um, also, I worry a lot about the church. And it's, I, 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 I carry that very very much on my shoulders. Um, not about the, the cans in sense of cans, but the state of the church in Europe, the state of the church in this country, the state of the church in other... I, I've got that constant worry in me. Martha was distracted, but all the preparations that had to be made, says the NIV. And in her distraction and in her worry, she's got the guts to come to Jesus with a complaint. Maybe it wasn't a complaint. Maybe it was she found that Opportunity that actually she's able to speak to Jesus her heart out and just share how she feels with all this dynamic of having to cook for people and seeing her sister doing nothing. It's not fair. And 
I'm so pleased that Martha is doing that and it's not just me like plodding along or like you plodding along and just murmuring to yourself how frustrated you are. But, but Martha does something here that is, that is really, really key to the whole thing because she, 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 she gets distracted, she gets annoyed, and what does she do? She comes to Christ. She comes to Christ because she knows that her forte is welcome and hospitality. And others are not coming to the grips that actually that's what she, she is. Actually, welcome and hospitality is something that you see throughout the whole New Testament as a catalyst for the gospel to go and reach out. So, so she, in herself, is not doing anything wrong. She is basically stating the norm that actually Jesus is here. I want to honor him. It's something that is normal, but she's missing out. Her party trick is to cook a good meal for the people that she's got coming to her house. What is your party trick? Ruth would say her party trick is Business and smiles. My party trick is Mr. Fix-It. And yet, what Jesus is summarizing here is not performance. But Jesus is looking at attentiveness, that attention, that moment that he has come. And I know that they're going to eat, and, then, and, and the, the, the fact that the, they're not going to be leaving the house unfed is there. But savoring that moment with Jesus is very important. Perhaps Martha is working on the basis that the society has given her a role, has decided what she should be doing. The society is expecting from Martha to be a good host, to cook, to clean, to provide fresh water so they can clean. So this needs to get done. And actually, this is the norm, so this needs to get done. And I just wonder how many times we, I, Ruth, you, live our lives on whatever it's the norm for our society. Young people, you're here. The society is calling us work hard, play hard, you do you. Revise hard party wild, make your parents happy. Adults, max up the overtime 
and have an amazing holiday. Those who are retired, enjoy life, but still we want to pick up, we want you to pick up the pieces that we have left unfinished for the next generation. Who determines our identity and role? Is it what is the norm for the society? Or is it what is the norm of the water kingdom of God looks like? And don't get me wrong here. I'm not suggesting that we should all switch off doing everything that we do and switch on the lazy mode button and not get engaged with anything. There is no bone in me that says that. I don't think this passage suggests that either. But there is an element here that we miss out, that I miss out. And it's that, that in the midst of the business, it's savoring Christ. So the question, the next question is, how will you treat Jesus? So, so far, what distracts you? What worries you? What's your party trick? Who determines your identity and your role? And how will you treat Jesus today? For Ruth, she says, I want to understand more who he is. For me, it comes straight from the passage. The name Lord is used there three times. And it's not just a good, polite gesture. I've just come from a conference, and I, I really come very disturbed because I've never been called sir so many times in my life. The hotel that you stay, it's everybody, it's good morning, sir, good afternoon, sir, thank you, sir. And you think, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? And I don't think that's the notion that when, when, when Martha is saying to Jesus, Lord, she's not just being polite because she has to, because that's part of the job description. But she's saying, Lord. So, how, how would I treat Jesus today? Well, I want to treat him as Lord. And by that I mean that I know that his teaching is the teaching of God. And as I said on that prayer, which really syncs with what I've written here, is that his teaching not only must be heard, but also must be obeyed. Mary sit, is sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha is standing in the kitchen. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part. But being Martha, what will it take to be sitting at the feet of Jesus? 
And this is a joint venture answers that uh, we threw this morning as we decided that it's better for Ruth not to come here today. What will it take to sit at Jesus' feet? I think Martha has got a good start. She's voicing her frustration. She's voicing her fear. She's voicing her worry. She's stating her distraction. And sometimes this comes with bleh. Sometimes comes with tears. And sometimes comes in just naturally in simple sentences. What will it take me to sit at Jesus' feet is that I recognize that I've got fears and frustration and worries and distractions. And although they are important, I've got somebody who is interested in me that I can just be able to express these things. What will it take to sit at Jesus' feet? It's letting go of the man-made roles and expectations, even though they are very precious to us. This is discipleship, actually. When Jesus said to, to Peter, that, 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 you know, how can he tell somebody who is a fisherman all his life to leave the nets and the boats and everything and follow him? And again, I've been reading this week about Peter. How much time did Peter have to make the decision? A minute or two. Jesus was en route. If he was 10 minutes later, you know, Jesus didn't have a mobile to say, hey, Jesus, where are you now? Because I've made up my mind. or just to find friends on Google or on, on iPhones. Peter had two minutes time to drop off everything and follow him. Although fishing is very precious to him. Although the society expects Peter to fish first, because he's a good fisherman and he knows that he's got the right clientele to provide the fish and stuff. Secondly, well, who's going to fish? Who's going to provide for the family? Who's going to do the things that are the norm that we have made the norm in the society calls the norm for us? This is Ruth's top. What will it take to come at the feet of Jesus is what I started with Psalm 46. When the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Stop worrying about what other people are doing. And dare to trust God 
for who he is. There to trust Jesus for who he is. And why we think this? Well, for Ruth is, immediately she thought of that song that we sing. Not because of who I am, but because of what you have done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. Daring to trust Christ for who he is. The reason why I talked about Mary and Martha is because we see Mary came immediately to the feet of Christ. And we see that Martha has learned that lesson as well. If you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 11, when Martha and Mary have lost their most precious thing, their brother, it is Mary who stays behind and it is Martha who goes forward to see Jesus. And I love Martha. I do. Because she... You can see that the gospel and, and how God has transformed and Christ has transformed um, her life. So it's all this, um, this uh, conversation here, but um, it's, let's talk, about, let's, let's start in verse 20 of chapter 21. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, this was after Lazarus had died. If you had been here, my brother would have not died. Look at what statement she makes for Jesus. But, but, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And then Jesus discusses with her what's happening with Lazarus, and he makes a statement, the great statement, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? To Martha. This is the great revelation to Martha. Do you believe this, Martha? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Daring to trust Christ for who he is. What will it take to come at the feet of Jesus? It will take my all. It will take my everything. I can't take parts. And I think that's what Martha realized. That it's okay to have Jesus. It's not okay just to have Jesus in the background. But come to that place to say, Yes, Lord. I believe you are the promised one, Son of God. 
And as I enter in the sabbatical and as the church goes into these next 12 weeks, this is the thing that I really am mindful of, that, that we do not lose sight of who God is. And perhaps for me and for you all, this is the invitation to, to embrace that perhaps we don't need to do anything just to be at the feet of Jesus. How many times have we been reminded this year and the previous year the importance of prayer? Elaine and Ian two weeks ago reminded of that. Perhaps that's something that we need to master. That's where the God is drawing our attention. Perhaps that's where God is drawing my attention in these next 12 weeks. You'll, you'll know about that. But what if we did it this way, that actually we want to sit at the feet of Jesus, and we make that commitment today to saying that, not only for the next 12 weeks, because that will be very foolish and very limited, but we're saying that God, yes, we don't want to be titled as people who worry and are distracted, but we want to be people who have chosen to be at the feet of Jesus. And that's the better thing to do. That's not what the society calls us, but that's what Jesus says. I'm up for that. Are you up for that? Let's pray. So in your presence, Father God, we have thought, I have spoken and shared about things that distract, worry, things that are my and Ruth's party trick. We are aware of the areas of our life that actually it is not you who determines our identity and role in what we do. And again, like Martha and Mary, we want to treat you well today. We want to welcome you. We want to be hospitable to your work in our lives. And in our attempts to suss out, to understand what it looks for us as individuals and as a church to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that this does not become an endless exercise that we have not sussed but we get it right away. I pray that for myself. I pray that for the sisters here. I pray that this church, Lord.
Thank you that you want to do business with us. Thank you that you want to change our lives. And I pray, Lord, that as we frustrate, as we vent, as we share with you things that are in the way of being at your feet, Lord, I pray that you're not only just going to help us to acknowledge them, but you're going to give us the power and the boldness to make that statement, to sit at your feet. Lord, I pray that for the young people with all the pressures and things that they face, I pray that, Lord, for the adults here, I pray, Lord, for those who are retired here, Lord, I pray for across generations that it's not just that it becomes an art of sitting at your feet, but it's a mark of our walk with you. Lord, we want to savor you today and for the rest of the week and the months and the lives that we have. Help us, Lord, to be Mary's in a Martha world. In Jesus' name, amen.